it's honestly a distraction, right? It's a distraction from all these other things that we need to be dealing with in our world, that we need to be advocating for, for ourselves and for others. I don't think it's an accident that we have a country full of people fixated on, on dieting and trying to quote unquote fix their bodies. Um, I think it's, it is a distraction and, and it's so empowering to step away from that and say, nope, I'm not going to put my energy there anymore. You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class, lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being, and not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Yoga Magic, everyone. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. If you're new here, I'm so grateful. On this show, we chat all things self-care and self-discovery. Yoga yoga was the turning point for me into a life that I really wanted to live, and I've learned so much since then. I get to chat with some of the most amazing people on this show and talk about what self-care really means. So today, friends, we're tackling a challenging topic. Um, If you're someone who struggles with disordered eating, you know, a quick disclaimer that we discuss diet culture and the conditioning we all face in today's society. So just please know that this is meant to be a resource, you know, a touch point in a very challenging journey. Um, you know, just just know that you're you're not alone if you're listening to this. We talk a lot about well-being on this show, and the topic of food and diet is something that that really hits home for me. In preparation for this episode, I had just checked in with some friends um, about diet culture. Have you been on a diet? Do you feel like losing weight is something that you need to be doing? And I mean, it was pretty overwhelmingly yes. You know, I'm I'm 34 years old and weight loss has been marketed to me since I was very young. And if I'm being completely honest, I've been on some sort of diet or restriction or something on and off since I was like 14 or 15 years old. And I know I am not the only one. You know, sometimes it's masked as a lifestyle change. You hear that a lot. But in general... You know, I, I feel that pressure to be small, to be petite, to be skinny, all these things. And it's it's a lot. It's hard. And I just, I feel like this idea of intuitive eating and turning away from diet culture is speaking to my soul. You know, this is true self-care, to spend time that we were maybe thinking about diet or thinking about counting calories on things that are more important to us. Um you know, Kirsten talks about this on the show today that you know, this, this conditioning, it's not, it's not my fault. You know, it's not our fault. That's the society we live in. 
So continuing down this trend of counter-cultural topics, um, we are discussing freedom from diet culture today by way of intuitive eating with the amazing Kirsten Ackerman. Kirsten Ackerman, also known as the Intuitive RD, is an anti-diet registered dietitian and a certified intuitive eating counselor. She has an awesome podcast called Intuitive Bites, which provides 30-minute episodes about intuitive eating, come teach you how to do it, and... um, She talks about health at every size, body liberation. She also runs a virtual private practice where she helps clients heal their relationship with food and body through through the anti-diet framework. I want to shout out a friend of mine, um, Nellie Brow, who suggested Kirsten as a resource. Nellie is here in the Twin Cities, and she's another amazing resource on anti-diet culture. There are a lot of really great voices out there right now that can help shed more, you know, more light on this topic. If you haven't already, uh, go back, check out Nellie's episode. It's the very first episode of the show. But I'm glad people are talking about this. This is this is good. <laughs> um, Kirsten just has so much honest insight into what we're faced with as women in today's society in relation to food. You know, why it's effing exhausting to think about our size and what we look like and how much we're eating and, you know, what we're eating all the time. The point that really drove this idea home for me when talking with her was that, frankly, we can spend energy that we are currently obsessing over food on other things like self-development, like family, like self-care, social justice, human rights. I mean, there's so many things. So a huge thank you to Kirsten for coming on the show and sharing her wealth of knowledge with us. If you want to learn more from her, check out her show, Intuitive Bites, as well as her Instagram, The Intuitive RD. One quick note, the internet on my end was a bit crappy during our interview, so there are a few times when Kirsten's audio cuts out. You won't miss any actual content, but good old Zoom, you know, made for less than a perfect audio, so thanks for your patience with that. Before we hop to the episode, a quick reminder to join me for live community yoga classes on Mondays at 5 p.m. and Saturdays at 9 a.m. Central Time starting on October 19th. And if you're in the Twin Cities, join Meredith of Earthling Astrology and me at Forgotten Star Brewing on Halloween for a full moon flow. It's going to be a fun night. More details on both of those events in the show notes and on my website. Would love to see you there. Thanks for listening, everyone. Let's learn from Kirsten Ackerman. Well, thanks so much for being here today, Kirsten. I'm really excited to chat more. Um, Totally. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you as well. So I discovered Kirsten, her podcast, her work from a friend, from my friend Nellie, who said that you are just a lot, a lot of great information. And what I noticed right away about how you approach intuitive eating and, and how you talk about it, um, it's just, it feels really warm. It feels really um, like gentle in a way. And I, I, as I was doing research, finding someone I wanted to talk about this with, it's like surprisingly can be a little bit of a shamey subject too. Like I was really surprised to see that. So I was so drawn to the way you talk about it. And I want to just dive in because I think it's a topic that people are interested in, but perhaps don't know how to put their finger on. <laughs> totally. It can feel very like abstract um, in the beginning. That makes yeah. Sense. So will you just tell us about your journey into being an intuitive eating dietitian and, and all the cool work that you're doing now with it? Yeah, totally. Um, well, I mean, to kind of like, I guess, get back to the beginning with it. I, um, when I became a I didn't know about intuitive eating at all. And in fact, I didn't know about intuitive eating until 
after I graduated with my master's degree in nutrition. So I was a dietitian with my master's, had no idea. And in fact, um, and there's a pretty long history here, but I had many of my own struggles with disordered eating that were completely normalized in the culture around me, right? So I had a very firm belief, you know, diets aren't, don't work, they're not good, like you shouldn't do that, that's crazy. And yet I was engaging in all of these really like diet mentality types of behaviors, like feeling a lot of shame around my eating and feeling like I was bad for if I was craving candy and chocolate and I was hiding wrappers, you know, in the trash can. So my, you know, uh, people in the house wouldn't see that I was, I was eating them. So I had all these behaviors that I just thought were kind of normal and um, were my own issue, but I didn't, I didn't kind of realize the extent of that. So this kind of set me up perfectly to when I did learn about intuitive eating and health at every size, it just clicked, right? Like I was like, oh my God, this is not my fault. This is not a personal flaw. This is like the culture around me um, that has been telling me to take care of myself in a certain way around food. Um, and it's totally led me astray. And all of a sudden there was this framework that, like you mentioned, felt gentle and compassionate and mm -hmm. um, felt like something warm, which is not how I felt about myself in relation to in relation to like food and my body. So it really was for me, like very much a, a light switch moment that I was like, this is what I need to be doing both personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. And it's really, I mean, it's kind of a newer, I mean, in the world of, of, eating of, of registered dietitians, like this concept, it's relatively new. Is that true? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, the book, the original book, um, came out in like the nineties. Mm -hmm. Um, but really even that was low level. Like it wasn't, it certainly has like kind of exploded in the past few years and it's, it's much more of a thing right now, I guess you could say. Um, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't unusual that I hadn't heard about it in my, you know, time working to be a dietitian. Although right now I feel like it's much more present for people who are, you know, studying to, um, get a nutrition degree now. Like it's definitely a topic of conversation. Mm. Um, but yeah, totally. It's very new. Mm -hmm. Why do you think, I mean, it is, why are we all of a sudden becoming more aware of diet culture or like uh, body positivity? Like what is, why do you think now that that's, this is, I didn't really prep you for this question. This might be like your opinion on this. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. And I don't have the answer, but like, right. I think that, um, first of all, I mean, it, it just like, it seems like when it was an inevitable thing that had to happen, right? Yeah. When, when more than half of the country is in larger bodies. And like, I'm thinking of women, even in particular, um, there are um, the average U S woman is in a larger body and the, the average U S woman can't just walk into a store at the mall, um, a clothing store and get clothes that fit her body. So like at some point something had to click and be like, what's going on here? Why are we not like providing something so basic, such a basic need as clothing to people of all sizes. I mean, so that's more from the lens of weight stigma and like this idea of like health at every size and just the fact that like everyone deserves um, those basic needs and like respect, but it all kind of overlaps, right? Because as soon as you start thinking about that, like, yeah, like I should be able to get clothing. You also start to think about why am I 
treating my body in such like an awful way Mm -hmm. um, and not actually taking care of it? Why am I on this roller coaster? And I think people are just starting to realize that everyone's on the same roller coaster. So if we're all just like, you know, on this roller coaster of like, oh yeah, like I'm just like not dieting good enough. And we're just finding ourselves like regaining weight and and crazy around food. I think it's just becoming clear collectively as a whole that like this pattern is not working and like we need, we need something else. Yeah. That's a good answer. I agree with that. That's thank goodness. I think we're waking, waking up to a lot of things right now. Like (laughs) exactly. I know. I know. So it's, yeah, it's just like a transformational time. I feel like so whether we like we're ready for it or not, let's go. Exactly. Well, let's talk about what it is. What is intuitive eating? Um, and I asked you to maybe kind of give an overview of the principles of a high level overview so that you can just kind of give the, the background on that. Um, so intuitive eating on a very general level is, you know, a method of eating that's aligned with your intuitive cues for hunger and fullness, but also things like satisfaction as well, right? Like re-embracing this idea that food is meant to be pleasurable and enjoyable. It also, I guess, is like the, the purpose of the framework and kind of the intention behind it is to be a method for healing your relationship to food, because we live in a culture that's very um, at baseline, like diet obsessed, right? Like kind of at baseline diet mentality. So this is a way of kind of um, leading you back to yourself and not relying on these like external sources of, um, I guess, measurement of if you're doing okay with your eating, right? So for example, with that, it's like, instead of saying like, oh, I'm going to eat, um, I'm going to eat right now because it's this time of day. And that's, you know, that's what I'm supposed to eat. It's really like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat now because that's what my body's telling me it needs. So it's much more aligned with like your own internal cues for hunger and fullness and and also what sounds good. So then the principles are, I mean, there's a few of them. There's a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. So there are 10 principles of intuitive eating and I will kind of read them off now um, and kind of maybe touch on a couple of um, high, yeah, like important ones, I suppose. But so the first principle is reject the diet mentality. Two is honor your hunger. Three is make peace with food. Four, challenge the food police. Five, discover the satisfaction factor. Six, feel your fullness. Seven, cope with your emotions with kindness. Eight, respect your body. Nine, movement, feel the difference, or basically this um, concept of like joyful movement. Mm -hmm. And then 10 is kind of like gentle nutrition. So obviously there's a lot here, um, but the ones that I often, I guess I'll just highlight the ones that I often like talk about with clients uh, a lot. So Mm -hmm. the first one is like hunger attunement. So like getting in touch with like what you're telling you about when it's hungry. Um, and really like understanding the more subtle nuanced levels of hunger and not just the, Oh yeah. Like I'm, I have the, you know, rumbling in my stomach. I must be hungry. But what about like when you just start thinking about food, like you start thinking about, huh, I wonder what I should get for lunch or like, huh, what's, what's in the kitchen to make for dinner. Having that even just like thought around food is actually one of the earliest signs of hunger. But in our culture, again, diet mentality culture, we kind of demonize those thoughts and are like, oh my God, why am I obsessed with food? Why can't I think about something else? Like, why is this always on my mind? But really that's, that's a 
a cue that you're hungry. Mm -hmm. So once we can start like acknowledging that we can actually start using that information to take care of our bodies better. So I really work with clients to like get in touch with those more subtle levels of hunger. So that's one that I often talk about. Um, The other one that I'll mention too, is the making peace with food. This is like this concept of like unconditional permission to eat. So this is when I clients first hear about this, they're like, oh, heck no, there is no way that I'm going to just bring a tub of ice cream into my house and let it sit in the freezer because as soon as it's there, I'm going to eat the whole thing and be looking for more food. Um, And it's this exact distrust in our bodies to guide us around food that kind of perpetuates the cycle. So Mm -hmm. what I work on with my clients is let's get that tub of ice cream. Let's get three more tubs of ice cream. Um, We don't necessarily always have to go that extreme, but let's get so much ice cream in the house that you know that you have plenty and you will not run out. And let's get you comfortable with eating with no um, yeah, eating with full permission. Um, and that really helps people to, first of all, trust their bodies that eventually they're going to, their body's going to be like, Oh yeah, never mind. I don't want any more of this. Um, but also it really helps to just like neutralize that relationship to the food to, to recognize that you have full permission. Um, there's so much power in that feeling of, Oh, I'm allowed to do this. So now I can really make the choice of whether or not I want to go eat a tub of ice cream. That's so huge. What you just said about that permission piece. That's so huge. I, so I was listening to one of your episodes about, and one, it was one of the founders of intuitive eating talking about her child and like allowing her child to just eat whatever. It's like, I think about my four-year-old, she loves sweets and I, and I, I withhold that from her and I'm like, well, but what if I just said, you know what, you can have whatever you want. And then at some point, you know, she might get sick of it and, and just be like, okay, actually I want to nourish my body in the right way. Is that really what you're saying? Yeah. So what I'm saying is that by, first of all, that's a totally like again, normal and like expected thing to do in our culture, because there's this like fear around food and sweets and and all these different kinds of things. But what I'm saying that is by limiting and restricting ourselves from sweets, for example, it actually heightens our propensity towards that food. It makes us more obsessed with that food because we feel deprived and restricted of it, even if we're allowing ourselves to eat it, right? So if I say every night, okay, I'm allowed to eat this portion of ice cream that I've told myself is acceptable, but I I recognize that the perceived limit that I'm allowed, that still makes me feel deprived. Um, so as soon as there's some sort of like perceived limit or again, not full permission because there's that limit, it makes us driven to want it more and it makes us act crazy around it. So what would probably happen if you all of a sudden, you know, gave your daughter full permission to sweet things, or if, you know, one of my clients gave themselves full permission to sweet things that they hadn't allowed themselves, they'd probably find that they're eating a lot of that food because, that is the process of healing from the deprivation and restriction. And on the other side of that healing is a neutral relationship to it mm-hmm. where sometimes you want the sweet, sometimes you don't, but you're not being driven by that sense of deprivation to eat an unnecessary amount of it. You're only eating it because you truly, like when you truly want it, because you truly want it. And you also get normal cravings for a variety of types of food, including vegetables and fruit and and all of that stuff as well. Mm -hmm. 
So let's talk diet culture a little bit, because obviously that's where this came out of, is that like seeing that diet culture is not, not sustainable. It's not, it's not the healthy choice. How does maybe some specific examples, how does it permeate our society? Like what is diet culture? That's such a good question. Um, and a big question. So diet culture essentially is a, this, this culture that we live in that has a fixation on body size, um, you know, kind of like healthy foods over it kind of like prioritizes body size and that fixation on like good and bad foods over kind of true health and well-being and like holistic health and well-being. So it really has this like narrow-minded focus on what healthy looks like. Um, diet culture is also just like this cultural obsession with like looking outside of ourselves to determine how we should be eating. Diet culture also encompasses, you know, the cutting back on sugar or or doing the healthy swaps or eating less of this and more of this. Um, Any situation where you're kind of relying on this external source of rules that is not coming from within yourself and what your body's telling you is really that diet mentality. So what if you, what if you do want to lose a little weight? Like, you know, that you're, let's say, let's use quarantine as an example. Like, I know that I'm, I feel really good at a certain, maybe that's an external factor. I shouldn't even like use that, but like a certain number, certain weight number. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I'd like to lose five, six pounds. Like that would feel better in my body. Is that still, can you do that intuitively? Or is that like totally against the rules? (laughs) I love this question. Um, So it's normal to feel that way. Cause again, like this is under the whole, like this is the, this is the water we're swimming in this diet culture-y stuff and this like weight focused stuff. What I would ask you is, okay. So you believe that you feel better X number of pounds lighter. Could it be that you are, are, were behaving in different behaviors when you were X number Mm -hmm. of pounds lighter? Mm -hmm. Can you incorporate those behaviors, whether it's eating these certain foods or eating, you know, kind of more consistently throughout the day or engaging in more like joyful movement, um, getting more rest, getting more sleep, whatever can we focus on those behaviors that you were engaging in that you associate with a lower weight and, and just kind of put our energy there. And that will lead to you feeling better in that way without focusing on the number. Because again, the number on the scale is something external. You don't wake up in the morning. If you didn't have a scale, you don't wake up in the morning and say like, okay, this is exactly my weight. Um, you just know how you feel, how you've been taking care of yourself, whether or not that feels like it's been serving you or not. And um, if you can kind of move from that place and make decisions from that place, that's going to be much more supportive. That's such a good answer. Because yeah, of course, obviously pre-quarantine, I was doing other things that felt really good. And like, (laughs) now we're, we're getting back to it finally, but okay. I love that answer. Like, and I love that you use joyful movement. I like to say that too, versus like exercise or workout or like, it's just, it's just so tied up in that diet culture stuff. And I have so many clients who, when they were on the wagon with dieting, they were also on the wagon with exercise. And it was really so tied to, okay, I'm going to get my exercise in today. So I lose weight or so I burn these calories Um, But it wasn't from a place of like, wow, I love this type of movement. Like, it's just so fun for me. Yeah, that's definitely, I feel like a shift that many people have to make on this journey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
how about with like digestive issues? I know you've had a couple episodes on your show about this, but I like, I'm using myself as an example because I only know my body, but there are certain things that really make me feel not good, but I also know that I like them. Like the other day I was like, you know, dairy isn't like the best in my body, but I haven't had ice cream all summer. I'm going to get a really great ice cream and I know that I'm not going to feel super good and it's going to be okay. Is that okay? Like, is that intuitive? (laughs) Yeah. I love this question too. So my first answer to this, because I want to make sure I put this out there for anyone else who has that same example. Um, try lactate pills if you haven't already, because specifically with dairy, it's like, okay, I can do something for myself where I take these lactate pills and then eat my ice cream. And I feel a little bit better than if I didn't have that. So that's just like a side note there. Um, But (laughs) to answer your question fully, the way that you approach that is totally intuitive eating, right? Like it's like having awareness, like mindful awareness of like, okay, I know that how this food's going to make me feel. So like that alone, like having that awareness of like knowing how different foods make you feel is awesome. And then being able to make a decision from that standpoint of, okay, I know how this is going to make me feel. And I really want to do it tonight or, and I really don't want to do that. So I'm not going to do that tonight. Like being able to kind of go either way, both of those are are totally acceptable. Um, but I kind of put this under the category of like the satisfaction principle. So usually when we think about satisfaction, we think about like, does it taste good? Do I want it? Like, is it, am I fully like, you know, did I eat enough? I did, did I eat an adequate amount or was I fully present with my meal? But another aspect of satisfaction is how this food is making you feel like the entire eating experience. Um, so it kind of goes under that category. The other thing to think about with this is what is going to be the impact of avoiding this food. So if I say ice cream doesn't make me feel good, so I'm probably not going to have it most of the time, but then telling myself that activates that like scarcity mentality of like, Oh no, now I can't eat that food. And now I'm thinking about ice cream all the time. And when I do happen to, you know, come upon ice cream at an event or who knows what, or, you know, my partner buys ice cream and now it's in the house. And then I go crazy on the ice cream. If that's the situation, it would actually serve in my, I guess I would, I would offer you, or I invite you to consider, maybe it would be, it would serve you better to allow full permission to eat the ice cream and get yourself through that phase of feeling deprived or scarce from that food. So that on the other side of that, you know, I have full permission to eat ice cream and I don't really want to do it today or maybe I do. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. I like, I think of like the elimination diet or like whole 30 and how that's just what ends up happening, at least on my end is that like, I just swing so far to the other side when I'm done with it. And I'm like, why did I do that? Like this didn't even, it just, it, it kind of the opposite is what it was the outcome and so, and I know, and I, the same friend that suggested talking to you, I'd asked her a long time ago, like, what do you think about Whole30? And she just kind of was like, oh, Ashley, like she was super kind <laughs> about it, but like, it's a diet. It's a diet. It's a fad diet. Yes. Yes. And that is so true. Like that the, I feel like so many people experience the like swing back to the other side. And like, the problem is that again, we blame, oftentimes we blame ourselves. We're like, Oh my God, why couldn't I stick to it? Or what's wrong with me? But as soon as you can kind of point outside of yourself and start blaming the culture, blaming the diet, not yourself and recognizing really that like, 
your body was doing an awesome job of just trying to protect you from scarcity when it made you, you know, kind of go crazy on all those previously restricted foods. So taking that blame outside of yourself could be such a healing part of this process. Okay. This question is, I didn't necessarily give this to you in advance. And if, if it's not really under your scope, that's okay. How does alcohol play into this? Are we, can we intuitively consume alcohol? All right. Love this question too. Um, I can totally give you my response to this. Okay. Um, so the thing that's tricky about alcohol is that it's not essential to live. So the, where I put food and intuitive eating under is the same place. I put oxygen, water, sleep, right? Like things that are essential to life that we need. So if I deprive myself of water, I'm going to end up first back in the water. I'm going to be like over consuming water to a point that doesn't feel good. I'm going to be obsessed with water. I'm going to think I'm addicted to water. Um, and then eventually with full permission to, to drink water, I'm going to find myself back at that neutral place. That's what's going to happen with food. That's the same exact process. Um, alcohol is different because it's not essential to life. So it doesn't exactly follow that same um, pattern. And alcohol can have, you know, addictive properties. I don't think that we can under the same category as intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of as far as my opinion goes on that matter. Yeah. Okay. That's a good, that's a good way to approach that. Um, okay. So this month on yoga magic, we're talking freedom and that's kind of how I landed on this topic is that initially I was like freedom from food, but like, I don't think that's actually what we're talking about. I, I don't know. I wanted to get your opinion. Do you think this is freedom from food, freedom from diet culture, freedom in our bodies, or like, is it all of it? So a concept that I is talked about a lot in my community is, you know, this idea of like food freedom or like body liberation. But really, I like that idea of just like liberation from obsessive thinking around food and, and our body. Mm-hmm. So it's not freedom from food itself, but it's freedom from these kind of like chains that are tied to us when we are um, obsessively thinking about these things or fixated on these things. Definitely when we are in this disordered place with food in our bodies, a lot of our mental energy is just kind of sucked into that. And we move throughout our day tracking in my fitness pal and wondering mm-hmm. if I should eat this because I ate that earlier and, and thinking about the ice cream that I want to eat that it's in my freezer and I shouldn't eat or, or whatever. And it's just like a kind of, um, yeah, it's just like a mental energy suck. And when we can kind of heal from this and work on this process of, of eating intuitively, all of a sudden, again, it opens us up to put our energy into in more intentionally use our energy where we want to be spending it. That was, I think the piece that resonated the most with me is that like, I, f- I think about the number of times I've, or like the t- hours spent tracking my fitness pal or macros or calories. And it's just like all these stupid things that take up a ton of time that I could be sending, you know, with my family or doing things that I actually enjoy doing. It's oh, like freedom. Yeah. Freedom. I mean, from time, freedom from a time suck and energy suck. Yeah, I love that. Exactly. And it's also like, it allows you to be connected to your body. I mean, I feel like diet culture ends up again, like using that analogy of like shackles or like chains. It's just like keeps your energy. It it just like, it's honestly a distraction, right? It's a Mm -hmm. distraction from all these other things that we need to be dealing with in our world that we need to be advocating for, for ourselves and for others. Um, So yeah, it's just, 
it's, uh, I think it's, I don't think it's an accident that we have a country full of people fixated on, on dieting and trying to quote unquote fix their bodies. Um, I think it's, it is a distraction and, and it's so empowering to step away from that and say, nope, I'm not going to put my energy there anymore. So I've heard the term or like the phrase health in every, in every body, or is that, is that what it is? Am I saying it right? Health at every size. At every size. And Mm -hmm. I, to me, like, I love that, but what do you, what do you think that means? Or what is in your opinion, what does that mean? Yeah. So health at every size, first of all, there's a lot of like weird stuff, um, misconceptions, I guess I should should say around it because, and it makes sense. It's a confusing um, concept because it's so countercultural, but health at every size is, um, a social justice movement Mm. and it actually has its own principles. I can't list them off the top of my head right now, but basically it's things like, you know, um, like access to adequate healthcare, um, at any size, right? So being able to walk into a doctor's office and not get a lecture for your weight when you're, you have an earache and you just like need some medication. Mm -hmm. Um, there are people that literally, I mean, many people that avoid going to their primary care doctor or other doctor's visits and just don't do it because they're afraid to get lectured on their weight. So then you have this population of people who are in larger bodies, not getting medical care, and then they end up being sicker. And then we blame them for their size. But really part of it is just like the stigma that they're experiencing and and avoiding care because they're not being treated well. And like, I think about this in yoga so much, like, like people coming in, people in a larger body that come into yoga class and just feel so unwelcome because of the behavior of teachers. I mean, and, and their fellow yogis, like yoga is supposed to be a community and, and that's just hasn't been the case, but actually another guest this month is specifically speaking to that issue. Amber, Amber Carnes. I don't know if you know her at all, but um, it's going to be really cool. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Like it should, this should be a commonplace. Everyone should be able to access this. Exactly. And I, I have heard from folks in larger bodies that like, that they feel like, like mainstream yoga or whatever. Like if you just go to a, a yoga studio, like a lot of the poses don't feel like, you know, like they are available to people in larger bodies and, and maybe teachers aren't aware of like accommodations for people. In right. Like there's just so much room to grow there. Yep. Yeah. I feel like I learned so much. I'm, I'm loving this. And like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking as a parent of two little girls who right now love their little bodies and I want them to stay like that forever. And I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really like vibing on this idea of like, yeah, of course you can eat these things. Just pay attention to how it makes you feel. And like, if you want more, like, you know, ask yourself the right questions. I love that. Yes. Yes. And I think keeping in mind for anyone who's kind of in that same boat that like, there will likely, if if you're moving from, you know, some more of like the, just like, again, baseline level diet culture stuff, like, like having limited access to certain types of food and stuff like that. If you're moving from that place to a place of like full permission to eat whatever and checking in with what it feels like, there probably will be that period of time where there's kind of that um, overeating or eating in a mouth that doesn't feel great of those foods. Because again, that's a direct response to like that dieting Mm. mentality that was present before. It's not the fault of 
you know, their bodies, it's just like that healing phase. And really it doesn't take too long if there's true full permission. So like if it's candy or something like that, like having the candy on the table at all times, like available whenever they want it. And in the beginning, it's good. It's going to go quick. And then the second week it's there and it's like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. So like just expecting, I think that transition period and, and being okay with that and knowing that there is an other side, there's another side to that. Mm -hmm. And that's true of all of us. It's just like, there's a transition period and there's another side. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Oh, Kirsten, this is great. Um, before I, I want you to talk about your show and everything, but I'm curious, what do you do to stay well? Like, what are your rituals? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like I go through phases. Maybe I th- everyone probably does, right? Um, but lately, I um, actually got a um, non-Peloton. Non-Peloton. Oh, my gosh. A, a bike? bike? Yeah. Yeah. I got a spin bike. And then do you get, you get like the app that you just put up? Oh yeah. So I got, I got like the Peloton app. So I use the Peloton app on my like non Peloton bike and it, it works. It's, it's awesome. I was thinking about doing the same exact thing. I'm like, I can't, there are no used Pelotons right now that I can find. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'll just get a bike, get the app. Cause the app's super fun. It has like yoga classes and dance classes and stuff too. I love that. But yeah, no, I haven't explored all the other things on the app, but they do have like a ton of different options. So it's, it's so cool. Okay. Tell the listeners where they can find you, um, your podcast, your Instagram, if they want to work with you, they can work with you remotely, right? Wherever yeah, I, do, okay. I do all virtual sessions. So that's totally an option. Um, so I do one-on-one, um, virtual coaching sessions for intuitive eating and healing your relationship to food in your body. Um, the way to kind of apply to that is go to my website, the intuitive RD, like registered dietitian.com. Um, my show is intuitive bites podcast. And I also have a book that was just released called the intuitive eating plan, uh, which basically is aiming to provide some more structure on applying the intuitive eating principles in your life. So like, how do you practically do this? Um, so you can get that also on my website, the intuitive rd.com and then follow me on Instagram, which is the intuitive underscore rd. Awesome. Thank you for your time, Kirsten. I feel like this was so informative. I love it. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in this week, friends. And thank you to Kirsten for her amazing insight. Give me a follow on Instagram. If you want to see what's happening, you want to hear about future episodes, it's ashleysondergaard.yoga. And if you're not already subscribed to my newsletter, you'll hear about events as they come out. Um, Check that out in my LinkedIn profile on Instagram. Thanks again, everyone. We'll see you next week.